Welcome back people to the Table Read Podcast. Hope everyone's well, happy and smiling as per usual. Um, today, a very special guest has come in because if you have been a fan of the podcast from when I started it two years ago, I always said that I don't want it to be strictly actors. I want to branch it to producers, directors, writers, etc. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce our first writer on the Table Read Podcast and I couldn't think of a better person for it to be. Ladies and gents, please welcome Tiana into the building. Thank you very much, Tiana, for coming in. Hey, how are you? How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Been a decent start of the year. But winter's really coming. That's all. Uh, yeah. Listen, man. It's all <laughs> Let's not talk about it too much. Man. I'm looking forward to getting to the Caribbean real soon, but it's, yeah. it's all good. Um, so, yeah. First, first, right, I really do appreciate you coming on, man. Oh. This, this has been a, a goal for me for a long time. Um, as long someone that wants to... I'm an aspiring writer myself. So, I really did want to come and talk to a writer not just actors i want to talk mm-hmm. to a writer on on this podcast so thank you no, for being the for, for being the first person oh i feel so special you should feel special <laughs> it's just a special moment yeah, i want to make yeah. sure um so as as per usual um i've got all my notes as you guys know i've got everything down here and there i know what we want to get to um but as usual i always want to know where i'll get started off and i feel like with writers i mean sorry with actors it can be kind of similar, you know, I went to a school here and there. It'll be different, but it usually is somewhat of a blueprint when it comes to being an actor. Yeah. I don't know what that is when it comes to being a writer, even if there is a blueprint. Would you believe me if I say I started out as an actor? Oh, <laughs> oh let's talk about it. Go so, ahead, the floor is yours. I went to Barbara Speak stage school when I was really little. Barbara Speak, you say? Yeah, Barbara okay. Speak. Only for a few years, but my mum found out that Naomi Campbell went there. She's like, you're going there. She's quiet. <laughs> To be honest, my mum said that, because I was quite young, I was in reception when she put me in this school, so it really wasn't my choice, but um, I had obviously an amazing time, and it's had a huge influence on my life, basically. Um, But my mum, she really wanted me to go to this school because she um, was really shy growing up, and she wanted me to basically just have a lot more confidence in myself, and who I was, Mm. performance, that sort of thing. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to put her in a school that's going to make her a confident person. Um, it kind of works, I don't know, because anxiety <laughs> and the things, <laughs> they really kick in as you get older. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I really, I actually started off as an actor, but at a time, so I, that would have been like 1999, 2000, mm. and um, there was just no roles for child actors. When I was a kid, they would only at least like prepare us for things like the role in the Lyceum Theatre to play child Nala, for example. And so I feel like that was the role that I was basically raised to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I played Simba. I know, I, I saw you know what I mean? Was... So it gets to a point where if you're black, <laughs> you're playing Simba or Nala, you're yeah. always going to audition. So that's why I'm there. I know that. Right. So I left Barbara Speak after a few years. My mum was, was really concerned about like my education. She wanted, she didn't want me to lack on the academics for the arts. So she put me into a school that she felt was more academically inclined. I still got to go to like classes or whatever I wanted to do on the weekends and stuff like that. Um, and then when I was 10, I auditioned to go to Sylvia Young Theatre School mm-hmm. and I got in as well. So I nice. went there for year six. Um, but again, that was tough. <laughs> oh, it was so tough. Um, I was like one of like four or five black students in like year six, seven, eight and nine. The year 10 and 11 is every dealt with us anyways. And there was even like five then. Anyway, <laughs> so it didn't even really make a difference. Um, and even in that, like in my class, there was only nine of us wow. to begin with. And I was actually one of two black girls in my class. The other girl in my class had already played Nala. So I felt all this competition that was on me. And then when it came up to time to audition, I was actually too tall for the audition. Can you imagine? I was, too tall? To I was too blood, tall. Man. I was five foot seven when I was 11 years old. They were like, you're tall enough to play adult Nala. <laughs> 
they said I was too tall. They said I was too developed. So I started going through puberty already. And mm. they were like, yeah, nah, you look too old. So then after that, like I've spent a year in this school and I'm amongst so many like young white kids who there's just an endless amount of roles for them from not just in the UK. Like one of my classmates went to Bulgaria to, Bulgaria to film a film there at one point. Yeah. Um, a girl in our school left at one point to be in high school musical free. Mm. Um, she plays the English character in that. And like, there was all this pressure all the time. And I think I got two auditions in that year. And I just felt really, really depressed. My self-esteem had taken a battering. Mm. My mum was like, to me, like, once she saw how affected my self-esteem was, she's like, yeah, you need to come out of this, come, yeah. out of this environment. Yeah. Um, so then how did I kind of start writing is I've always kind of written stuff. I mm. was a big reader when I was a kid. And I feel like bare people say that. Yeah. Um, but in particular, I really liked like high fantasy. So worlds that were just completely different from our own, just something that I could just get sucked into and disappear from this life. It's hard. <laughs> um, and so I, start, I would say that I, in terms of writing, I started off writing novels. So I started mm. off trying to write a high fantasy novel. Obviously at the time, Harry Potter had done really well. And then when I was in year six, which was when I was in Sylvia Young, mm. Twilight became a thing at that point. Because I remember course. everybody reading Twilight. And I remember when they cast Robert Pattinson. I remember where I was in school when somebody <laughs> told me like, did you know this happened? I'm like, right, everyone's just getting jobs in this industry <laughs> except me. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, like I said, I agreed with my mom that I was going to go back to regular school. So she sent me to school in my area, like in Northwest London in Harlesden, which was a predominantly black school. It was very West Indian, very Caribbean. Mm. Um, and my self-esteem just built up very quickly nice, after that good, again. Good, 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 good. <laughs> and then it's ironic because people think that drama schools and stuff like that is the best place for you to be. And I've been thinking more and more recently that if I hadn't gone to my last school, which was my very black, very West Indian school, I wouldn't have had the stories I have to write. I didn't, mm. wouldn't have had perspective. I wouldn't have had a sense of identity. All the things that you need to write something good, I would never have had that because I was so lost and so identityless when I was in drama school. Um, I even was thinking last night, like I just randomly had a flashback to when my mum curly permed my hair when I was in um, <laughs> Sylvia Young. And she thought that if I could appear more racially ambiguous, I was more likely to get roles. Um, obviously that didn't work, but <laughs> damaged the hell out of my hair. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so yeah, it was just really tough. Like, And then I started writing and I just got more and more into writing. When I was at school as well, when I was in secondary school, we did like drama GCSE and I really, really enjoyed directing like for the stage. And I was like, well, I think I'm good at this. And mm. we got to a certain point where the teacher was just like, Tiana, here's the script. Working magic and yeah. come back to us in a second. <laughs> sort them out. You know what I mean? I beg. <laughs> and I had a lot of respect for my peers and I just felt like it was a very mutual creative space in secondary school for that reason. We all spoke the same language. We all listened to the same music. We all care about the same kind of TV. So there was just no sense of pretense about what, kind of arts I wanted to write um and then that, like that London feeling as well it's encouraging I remember um I don't know if you remember this because you're a bit younger than me but when Top Boy did like when it was still with Channel 4 I don't remember that yeah, yeah, yeah they did an open audition in London did you know that no oh they did this open casting audition no. in London oh my I swear everybody showed up from every corner Bruh. of the city that had North London to Croydon <laughs> So I know people that were in the first talk but I didn't know they did a massive yeah like, they like, did this but basically they had to lock it off after they did just like 10 auditions because so many, many young black kids showed up because we wanted to be in it that was the only time we ever saw anybody like us what do you mean like Channel us? 4 TV show yeah. people like us people are jumping on the train right and then imagine Channel 4 did things like I think they did Skins right am I yeah, correct yeah, they had and I had like Daniel Kaluuya and Dev Patel like there's people. people who launched their careers from these open auditions and I was like yeah, so you're time. hearing Channel 4 around the corner doing yeah. auditions you're like what? 
would jump on the train. Bro, when I saw the videos and the pictures of the auditions, everybody had showed up. The long. crowd was like 300 man deep. Oh, yeah, long, 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 long. Um, so yeah, like there was just like this London feeling, this mutual creative space. Like we watched the same TVs. We all kind of like liked those same auditions, wanted to go to those sorts of places and be in those sorts of places. And writing gave me a lot more license to do it mm. because I didn't need to be accepted into anything in order to just do it. So mm. whereas as an actor, you know, you have to audition and boy, I don't envy that. <laughs> I don't envy that experience. But when, when you write, you can just write in your, in your house on your own. And that's really where the power of my own writing, I feel like it comes from because there's no one else who's really looking at it. Well, at least to begin with, there was no one else who was looking at it. Mm. Um, but then screenwriting, how did I get into that? I went to university to study English um, with creative writing. I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just there. I was just like, I'm out here. My parents were like, you need to go to uni. So I was like, yeah. Sure, why not? Um, I had one of my novels with me at the time, which was a fantasy novel I'd been working on for about two years. And I don't know what it was, but the first year of, like first week of uni, sorry, freshest week, I was reading this book and I was like, this is not a good book. This is not good. I was like, I actually don't think I'm good at this at all. I like reading fantasy novels, but I don't think I'm good at writing them. I literally, I threw it in the bin. Blood. Two years of work, I threw it away. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't feel any way about it. And I thought that was worse. <laughs> if I threw no away one of my, right? If I threw away one of my scripts now, I'd be like, why would I, why did I do that? Like that was so much work. But at the time I was like, no, this is not good. This is actually very embarrassing. <laughs> And then um, because of creative writing, so I tried my hand at poetry, which I was enjoyable, but I didn't feel like it challenged me in any way to write good poetry. And I wasn't passionate about writing poetry. I met people in my class who were just like, they were poets. They were like, mm. wow, this is how they express themselves. But I didn't feel that way about it. I tried writing for the stage for a bit as well um, in uni, which I didn't feel like I was good at because there was just so much limitations on things like space mm-hmm. and I'd gone from writing high fantasy to having to write a drama with five characters on a stage. It was really, really difficult for Very me. Very hard to write high yeah. fantasy <laughs> when you're like, fit as like 500 yeah. capacities. It's not, yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, but then something, in, the, in my last year, I had a lot of spare, I had a lot of free time. Mm. So I was, I decided like in my last year of uni, I was going to stop going to class. I was just going to do all my work at home and then just chill there, just like drink and smoke and hang with my friends. <laughs> what you got to do. Yeah. And I was like, this is my last year before I have to go home back to my parents' house and get a job. So I was just chilling. And then, um, I saw this open, I saw this like open um, call, submission call for plays. And I tried, that was the first time I ever wrote like a, a play. That was hard. How long was it? It was an hour and a half long. Lord, that's what, that's all 100 and something, 130 pages, I guess yeah. you could say, one page is a minute. But you know what? I learned a lot in that process as well, because for, let me give an example. The play is called a derogatory word for a black person that starts with C. Okay. Four letters. <laughs> and that was a very, very terrible move for me. I don't know what I was thinking. Because <laughs> even though I submit this play to like Leicester Curve Theatre and it got, mm. like, they paid for me to do like a writer's residency for like a week. That was the first time I ever got paid to write. I was like, oh my God, I have all these white people and like, non-black people, like white people, Asian people saying this word to me all the time. And I'm just, you're, you're you, right. I gave them permission <laughs> to do that. You gave them permission to say that word now. Yeah, I learned very, very quickly. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> that was, that was a really, really bad move. But screenwriting actually started in my second year. Um, I was really struggling at uni. I was very, very culturally isolated in my first year and mm. I applied to study abroad. And I was literally like, just get me out of here. I don't, go, I don't care where <laughs> I go. So I applied to go to like the University of Oregon, University of North Carolina. Like America? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and University of Tennessee. I'm thinking you're moving like different parts of the UK. Man, no. so get me on a flight. I'm gone. <laughs> get me out of here. I was like, I need to study out of this country. I hated it in like my first year. I really, really struggled. I've gone from this such a West Indian environment to just being around so many middle class. Yeah, yeah true. It's culture shock. Yeah, it was Facts. a huge culture Facts. shock for me. I literally thought the rest of the UK was like London. That shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> I was like, no, we're bare much. And I, 
in the lecture, there's 360 of us and five black people. That's crazy. So yeah, um, I studied, I applied to study abroad. I got into the University of Tennessee um, and I went there in 2017, Jan 2017, about two weeks before Trump was inaugurated. Mm. So it was a very tense time mm. to be in a place like Tennessee. Mm. Um, but I just wanted to be anywhere that was English speaking so I wouldn't have to adapt too much, but just culturally completely different to someone like the UK. So I, that's why I chose the South. Nice. I went there and I honestly had the best time. I think about it all the time. I'm just like, oh, Tennessee, I want to run to you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and I started screenwriting there. So I I had some extra credits that they said that I could choose whatever course I wanted to do. And I was like, looking through these courses and um, there was this introduction to screenwriting class. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that. For more context, there was actually a guy I liked at uni who wanted to be a screenwriter. And I swear to God, I actually took this course because I thought it would, be, it, it would impress him. It worked in your favour. <laughs> I thought it would, <laughs> it I thought it would impress him if I could come home back to the UK and I knew how to write scripts. <laughs> You know how funny that is? I've never heard anyone. It's so embarrassing because it's just so not feminist. No, but that's funny I'll be online, hell, like, women shouldn't be centering men in their choices. <laughs> and I know that I really like centered a man in that choice. It gave me a lot, but I don't, <laughs> zero out of 10, don't recommend. My heart was mashed up by the end of that. <laughs> My heart was absolutely mashed up by the end of that. Um, don't fall in love at uni as well, guys. Zero out of 10. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I didn't go to uni, but I've heard about oh. rule number one, don't fall in love. Don't fall in love at uni. Oh my God. <laughs> But like, yeah, so I started to, in this course, um, at, by the end of the course, we had to write like a short film. And it's the first time I wrote a short film. Um, I was terrified. 20 minutes. It was called Mum. And it was like a thriller, which was sort of about like the mammification of black women mm. in, in the home. And like how like middle class or wealthier white women bring ethnic minority women into the home to care for their children. And what that care and connection can actually look like. Or what it looks like when it's distorted or disturbing. Mm. So in this film, like they have, like the children have a really strange relationship with their nanny, mm. and the mum is trying to figure out why it's so strange, and it's just like this really creepy film. And I mean, I did really, really well for that. I got an A, and it just gave me a lot of confidence. You know, my my teacher, um, his name is Bill Larson, rest in peace. Um, he just gave me so much um, encouragement based on this film, and because of that, I was like, yeah, when I go home, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna keep trying to write, even though writing for the stage is hard, writing for the screen can be hard. I'm just gonna keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it till I get it right, because I felt like finally this was the medium that was for me. Mm. So listening to, to you speak about, it sounds like you get a lot of inspiration from from things around you, so, and if that's your your, your way to get stories, it sounds it's, it's like un, unlimited amounts. I think to talk about. So do you ever, is there ever a time where you have writer's block and you go, what the hell am I going to write about? Uh, if you're a working writer, the writer's block is basically just a daily battle. <laughs> <laughs> because before, like, when I was writing before, I was just writing whenever I felt like it, when mm. I got inspiration or when I had time. And now, like, I have deadlines. Like, they're yeah, like, you yeah, need listen. to figure that out. Don't, I'm like, say, don't say the D word over here. <laughs> we we should write like, the D word. Oh, I just need to feel some things, you mm. know? And they're like, we you ain't got time care. to feel. You ain't got time to feel. <laughs> yeah. you, ain't got, you got two weeks to feel. Yeah. <laughs> So I've got two weeks to get out. I'm pretty sure that there's no screenwriter who has like any set hours that they can work. It just doesn't work like that. Mm. It's when it hits you, it hits you three o'clock in the morning last night. And here I am up writing a comedy, (coughs) you know, setting a community center, that sort of thing. And it's just just when it came to me. Um, But yeah, no, I definitely struggle with writer's block. But going outside helps. Having conversations helps. Or sometimes even when when I first started writing, listening to conversations in public spaces, just how people that, oh, communicate with each other. I used to listen to conversations on a bus all the time. No, as an aspiring writer, hearing the actual writer say that knows <laughs> I'm going in the right direction. Because I love to get on the train yeah. and just... Listen, and it's just so, like, when people are just communicating, I'm like, wow, people just communicate so differently from one another. Oh, like, from how that. I communicate. I love that. Or 
what they're discussing, I'm like, huh, I wonder what Bradley said to that text. That's crazy. London is filled with characters. London is filled with characters you have never seen before. The stories are literally just dripping out of the walls. And Mm. even with like in my love of fantasy, because I'd say that my love of fantasy really is like specifically urban fantasy. So fantasy that's set in a city, Mm. but not just set in a city. It has to have embodied the spirit of the city as well. So when I was a kid and I really was into um, like Harry Potter, for example, one of the things I really loved about it was that it just felt so local. When mm. I was studying in America, I'd met loads of like American Harry Potter fans. And they'd be like, I'd be like, what do you guys like about it? And they'd say things like, we love the house system. We love the uniforms. We love that you call it a headmaster. I'm like, those are just British things. Just British. I'm about to say that's, <laughs> that's what they liked about not the flipping creatures know, and the magic. Right? The, okay. So for me, when I was growing up, the things I liked about it was things like, they would casually mention things like, oh, Stan Champak lives in Clapham Junction. I'm like, well, I know where Clapham Junction is. <laughs> it's just over there. And so when I was a kid, I would like walk around London with my mum and even like with the pub that leads to um, Diagon Alley, like, that's just in London somewhere. And I'd be looking around for it like, today's the day I'm going to see I'm it. Gonna my mum's, find that, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, my mum's not going to see it because she's a muggle. She doesn't even know. <laughs> Um, and so it was just like this feeling like the magic was right here, right around us. Mm. Um, and I was convinced when I was a kid as well that when they were ready to write like the spin-off about my parts of London for Harry Potter stories, I was going to be the person leading that. I don't know why J.K. Rowling would ever want to do something like that. But <laughs> I was like, yeah, if you want to say it in ends, I can show you magic in ends. That would bang you know, like Harry <laughs> Potter in ends. Right? So, right. And that's kind of how I got Yo. to writing my, like my debut script, the one that was on the Brit list and one, the first of my TV shows to get picked up for development. Mm. It was like that. I was like, why am I trying to write Harry Potter in London when I have like magic traditions in my culture, like Obia? Mm. I can just write about that. For real. Why (laughs) Why am I using this white woman's story to tell my stories when we can just make it cultured already because that's where it's from? So, talking about the writer's list, then, um, which is brilliant. So, for the people that don't know what it is and and how you even apply or get involved in that, um, please educate them. And me, myself, too. How did that come up? So the Brit List, you're talking about that one. Mm-hmm. So the Brit List was, is a, um, it's a showcase of unproduced British scripts in the UK. Basically, like the best unproduced British scripts. Mm. And it's when, when the industry acknowledges that someone has written a really good script, even though nobody has picked it up or thinks it's right for them. Mm. So it's being in an awkward and frustrating place when I first started like professionally writing, I got my agent and stuff like that. Um, I feel like I pitched that television show to like a hundred places in the Jesus. UK and it just was not getting, like it was not sticking. Even though people said to me that they liked it because no one was picking up, I was like, well, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> and after like, we got to like the hundredth meeting, I was just like, they are all lying. Like everyone doesn't want to tell me it's just a bad script. <laughs> so I was really surprised when I found out that it was on the Brit list. Um, the Brit list is not something, unfortunately, that you can submit a script to. It's something that if you have spoken to industry professionals about and they've read your script, then they can nominate you anonymously okay. so the Britlist reaches out to different producers and production companies um, every year and they say hey what scripts did you read that hasn't been picked up and then those producers will say we really like this one and they'll recommend okay. it and the reason why like I won this this award even like, it's like more like a list I was at the top of the top list, of the list yeah. it's because I had the most recommendations in the UK oh that's what the most rec- mo- oh, most okay. recommendations so I had the most praise from these production companies and these producers who said yeah this was probably one of the best scripts so, we've so, read so listen those hundred times you sent it yeah <laughs> and if i tell you as well like the two weeks before the brit list information like before my agent told me about it um i was so depressed and i was absolutely defeated Mm. i went to stay with one of my friends because i literally could not take care of myself anymore i was just done with life and the industry and i was like if Mm. you guys don't want me then just (laughs) say you don't want me we've all been there i'll just go back to retail it's all good we've been there (laughs) because i think it's a a common part of being a creative it's a rite of passage even facts 
Um, so I was like absolutely devastated. And one of my friends came to pick me up from that friend's house and she was driving me back to my house and she's like, I'm going to help you clean up. We're going to make some meals and then everything's going to be okay. Like, I was man. I was finished, not going to lie. <laughs> and on the in the car, on the way back, that's when my agent called me. She's like, have you ever heard of the Britlist? And I was like, Jen, bro, what is that? <laughs> I don't need no more disappointment. Don't, don't bring me no more things to, to think about. Man. Right? <laughs> and she just basically, yeah, she's like, she explained to me exactly how it's going to use the showcase mm. and that sort of thing. And she's like, you are on this list. I didn't know where I was at this point. They only revealed that when they reveal it to everybody. They told us all at once. That's when, when you find out that you're top and everything. <laughs> yeah. So when I was, um, <laughs> it's so ironic because we were in like this group chat, everybody who was on the Brit list from that year. And we're kind of like, we know that we're on this list. Nobody else knows yet. And we're waiting for the press releases and stuff like that to go out. And everyone was like having this like buzz of conversation. And I was like talking to my friends at the same time, waiting for this list to be released. Mm. Although I'm going to be honest with you and say, I wasn't actually waiting. Cause I was like, well, I'm on the list. So it doesn't really matter. Like I've done well. You That's got how there. I felt. Who cares where I place? Yeah, I'm there I literally now. did not care where I place. So I was in a, a group call with my friends and I, I remember talking to them about it and saying like the people in the group chat, the other people in the Brit list were having a discussion about where we're going to place on the list. They're wondering where they were. And I was like, I don't really think it matters. You know, like we're, <laughs> we're, we're the, the best already, people man. in the country right now in this group right. chat. Isn't that amazing? Mm. Like, we don't have to worry about that. And I just kept talking to my friend. I guess the time came like 5 p.m. and then went and I was still talking to my friends. And then someone texted me and said, congratulations, Sienna. I said, congratulations for what? <laughs> <laughs> and then my agent called me. She's like, am, am I right in seeing this right now? <laughs> number, number one? Number, yeah. She's like, are you at the top? And I was like, I am? <laughs> I was like, I guess I am. And then I like, had my pictures and stuff like that. And it was all in variety and deadline. And I was like, big, wow. Big. Okay. And I was just chilling. I say, then I say I'm just chilling in my yard in Wellingbra with my cats on the floor. Like there was just nothing. That's usually how it happened though. <laughs> yeah. You're like the most like like non-luxurious place yeah, ever. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of like you're the top right in the country. You're like, what? Let me I get was up. just like, damn. I was like, do you know who I am? I was looking at myself in the mirror. Like, do you know who I am? It's like, you're the best. Um... So yeah, that just gave me a boost in confidence. And from there, I was like, okay, sometimes it really does look like that. People really do like the script, but they don't have the money for it because I'm writing a fantasy. So it's a lot more expensive to produce. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Or it's not right for their production company, which over time I've realized is an actual strength in, you know, like getting rejected from somewhere that's not right for your work. Because the worst thing that can happen is that you're producing a piece of work with someone that you don't like or that you're incompatible with or politically misaligned with. Mm -hmm. And then they'll just completely misunderstand your work. The show they want to make and the show you want to make is completely different. Mm. so yeah I definitely appreciate it a lot more and I mean after that day it was just a flood of meetings and stuff like that to try to figure out where was going to be the right home for it and eventually I picked my production company in LA which is called Wild Cheap Content and my producer who um, he's a former Netflix executive he was head of international originals so he brought things like Money Heist to the platform he was one of the producers for that Um, and I was just like to be honest, once I saw the money house thing, I was like, yeah, this, it. it's, there you go. it's all yours, Come bro. Come on, God. Just, just take <laughs> it. Don't even think about it, bro. Just catch it and listen to don't say no more. Yeah. And so I was really pleased about it in the end, especially because, like, it's America as well. And sorry to be crass, but, like, blunt, but American money is just better than British money as well. Fact, so yeah. for me to start my career, it set me Over in a very nice... Usually you, you, you try to aspire to get there, but since yeah. you're starting there, listen. Brilliant. Yeah, I really did start there. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah listen, deep it. <laughs> deep it. That's where you're starting off. Yeah. Where people are trying to... And even me saying it right now, even though 
um, you know, UK is, is good when it comes to acting, there's opportunities here and there, but when it comes to the producing and directing and stuff, writing, where I want to get to is out in America. Yeah. Well, since you're starting there, that's your starting point, who knows where you're going to end up in, in the next couple of years, once this comes out. Fingers crossed. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, at the same time, you know, the industry still struggles with it, and there's still so many stages to get in a television show mm. onto the screen. It was just... Once you clear one stage and then you just go through the next level, the next level, the next level, and it's always asking, you know, the next person to join. So I'm at the production stage, um, like the production company stage, the development stage right now, which is when they've taken this one pilot script I've written and they've basically helped me to develop the entire series. Nice. So that's from filling out the world, which was amazing for me as a fantasy writer. Nice. Like they were just basically gave me this document. They were like, tell us what your world is. Like, give us all the world building details, how the magic works, how this works. Because then to calculate the funds. Yeah. Like, cool, cool, cool. That's exactly what What can what we afford? What can we afford? This is especially what it is. And honestly, when I heard the budget for my show, I said, Jesus Yo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if you think you can find that. Boy, hey, listen, by all means, I can't, I'm not bringing it up. <laughs> go and grab that money, by all means, bring it this way. Yeah, and so fantasies are quite hard, like I said, but my, my producer has a lot of faith in my work. And then Good. just from there as well, I was just, I was given a lot more license and, to pitch whatever else I wanted from that point on. People had a lot of trust in my voice and my ability to write. Thank God. That's what, like. <laughs> that's what we actually, that's what we aim to get. Yeah. We aim to get there. Um, I'm looking forward to that, man. I'm looking forward to... Fingers crossed it's produced because you never really mm. know. Like, some things get to the development stage and then they just never see the light of day. I reckon, like, less than 20% of stuff that go to development mm. it's tr- it's get onto the screen. But I feel like, one, it's your job, right? So it keeps you paid throughout. You keep developing these TV shows. Two, it helps you build up your reputation. Because if I have a reputation for being able to work in a group, in a team, to develop a show and to pitch it, then that's always good for the next show I want to do mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Brilliant. So, what the, the time it took from from you were number one on, on the Brit list to getting it developed, how long did that take? Honestly, weeks. <gasps> they were really, really keen on it. You were going to say like months and weeks? No, weeks. And if it could have been shorter, it would have been shorter. But oh, it was coming yes. up to Christmas, so we had to take like three weeks off. Say no more. But the Brit list happened in November and I signed my contract by January. So Listen. Yeah, America was... The, I'm I'm going to be honest and say that is a really, really good strip. It really is that good. Hey, listen, man. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> this, I'm taking from right now. This platform ain't the kind of... <laughs> I'm not too sure. If it's sick, let us know how sick it is. Sometimes I read it for. and I go back and I'm like, how did I write that? There we go. How did I write it? <laughs> there we go. Um, but I just completely wrote in my own voice. That was the first time I ever wrote in my voice. I sat, The characters sound like me. <laughs> so people always say to me like, it's normally like middle class white folks in the industry. They tend to be like, um, oh my God, like the, the voice of these characters is just so authentic. It's well, so authentic. It's me. And then I'm like, yeah, because... <laughs> I know. <laughs> It's my auntie that I've written there, you know. That's authentic. where I grew up. You know I was I mean? literally yeah. writing places that I knew. Facts. I'd never done that before. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I just wrote places that I knew. I wrote people that I knew and it just all came together. There's even like one bit that I always laugh at in the script where like the girl is like sleeping into the afternoon. Her dad comes and bangs off the door and he's like, come get up and work. Oh, we've been there. And I was like, yeah, this, let me write this with my dad. Something that happened <laughs> last week. Oh, yeah. I forgot about something that happened to me. Scene two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I just really wrote from a very, very raw and authentic place. Um, and it just like everything I was feeling at the time, like isolated and broke because I was obviously living in London. <laughs> Those sorts of things. It's just throughout. And I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's brilliant. And the fact that it was the, the thing that took you to where you wanted to be was something that was true to yourself. Because yeah. there'll be times where you feel like you have to write something that they might like. 
yeah. rather than what you know. Which is exactly what I did. Because I mean, when I left university, I actually applied to do my master's um, at Goldsmiths University in MA in script writing mm. and I got rejected for it. Damn. Devastating. I know, every stage people trying to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> it's never um, easy, man. But literally like, it was devastating. When I wrote the script for what I, what I submitted, I did have somebody was re- going to read this in mind. And I actually still think that script was quite a good script <laughs> and that they should have accepted me. But when I get to my BAFTA speech, there we go. Let I'll them call know. them out. Them know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was still, I know that there's a difference between the voice I wrote in that script and the voice I wrote in the other script. And um, ultimately I didn't go to the university, but it didn't, it didn't really matter, did it? Who cares now? At this point, yeah. it's irrelevant. It didn't matter. Point. I saved like 10 grand. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Soon to make more money. Yeah. So who cares about what happened with that? So yeah. And actually, ironically, the person who was like the head of that course um, at Goldsmiths, um, I bumped into his daughter. She works in the industry as well. And she said to me, she's like, oh, can I, can I show this script to my dad? I think it's amazing. This is my obvious script. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, sure, who's your dad? And she said his name. And I was like, oh my uh, God. I was like, you're joking. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I think he would love it. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, it felt, that felt really good. It felt like a proper full circle good, moment. I was good, like, good, yeah. Good, good, Plus good. I live for revenge, so. Oh, lord. <laughs> there we go. I'm sorry, I'm petty. Nah, man, so am I. I can, I can don't, don't let go and get me started about how I pe- pe- my family will know how I pay you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna get into it. They don't know how pretty I can be, man. Yeah. Um, but that's all brilliant, man. Um, I, I think we'll leave it there. Man. We talked, yeah. we talked about a lot. You dropped a lot of gems. Talked about yourself. Um, listen, I'm gonna be sit back listening to this because I'm a aspiring writer. So I'm sat here like this, trying to conduct yeah. an interview, but I'm really like, please teach me. No, please teach fine. me. I'm just trying to think like, what is the kind of advice I give? And honestly, it's so generic. We just have to write. You just have to just I've, do I've, it. And I've just learned keep that. I've learned you literally have to write. That's the only way to improve as a writer and, and honestly, build in the career. Is to, it's read, just to write read. and read. Read bare scripts. Mm. I mean, you're an actor, so I'm sure you will. But also, <laughs> yeah. read scripts that you think are good because sometimes as actors, they just be dashing any work. Yeah. So I think that read scripts are like you think like yeah, I want to perform in this. I want to be able to write something just like this. I was outside just reading um, the script for Booksmart. The film, it's like a coming of age film. I was like, hmm, I think I could write a coming of age film. So okay. yeah, I just feel like read bare. There's loads of resources out there as well. So if you use things like BBC Writers Room has like a mm-hmm. script library. Mm-hmm. When I first started, what I used to do was watch BBC shows and read the script at the same time. That's cool. That's because a unlike other writing, like playwriting or like being an author or poet, like you're not trying to really depict something in a script so much as you're giving instructions to somebody. Yeah. So just think. I always think to myself, I'm giving instructions to everybody on set, from the actors to the set designer, like what exactly how I see this and. Yeah, seeing exactly what the instructions were given to get a certain show to look a certain way on the screen, that always helps. Um, and then if I see somebody do something in a show, like in a, I watched Landscapers the other day on Sky and they just did something very unique. Um, and I was like, yeah, how did they do that? How did the screenwriter tell them that's what that's they what wanted? See, yeah. yeah, and I was like, I need to find a script. So I went to go and find a script for it. And yeah, it's just always insightful. Brilliant. Well, man, let the people know where they can where they can find you and keep up with your work oh and everything you've got going on, man. I'm basically under the name Tiana the Writer on every single social media platform. Cool. Um, yeah, and then my website is at tianajohnson.co.uk, which is normally where I update what I'm doing. And if people want to reach out and ask questions, because that's normally what people I'll do. It, it'll, be, it'll be in the description. Yeah. It'll be there, don't worry about it. <laughs> calm, right, um, calm. But yes, I want to thank you again for being the first writer to be on the Table Read podcast. It's been a journey. I've been, I was like, I need to get a writer, I need to get a writer. And I'm, yeah. I'm glad we finally got got you on to drop some gems man i appreciate you thank you for having me of course as always um thank you all again for watching as usual 
audio on Spotify. If you, for whatever reason, don't want to look at us, I don't know why you'd want to do that. I think it's a good idea to be looking at us for half an hour. It's a good idea. Uh, thank you all again for watching. Thank you, everybody, for helping out. Thank you, Tiana. Uh, we'll see you next time. Much love.